Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're finally back doing a Twitter space. We took a couple of months off because there really wasn't much to talk about during the uh, during the lockout. Lockout's over. Free agency is not quite in full swing. I guess it's kind of on the downturn. And uh, we actually have real baseball stuff to talk about. Um, so, uh, yeah, my name is Joshua Diemer. I'm a staff writer uh, at Pinstripe Alley. I'm joined by two of my other colleagues, uh, Esteban. Hi, Esteban. Oh, no. One more time. One more time, Esteban. Hey. <laughs> uh, you can hear us, right? Great. Yep, How's okay it going? Now. I'm okay. good. Uh, I only have one thing to say, and I think it's that Dick Monfort is my um, favorite owner. He gets, I... pay- he gets players paid. He does. They're often paid by other teams uh, over the length <laughs> of the deal. But, um, I mean, I guess not really. I guess, like, but he gets the Cardinals, the Cardinals are only paying Arenado. Yeah, yeah. Whatever owner pays them, it's fine. He gets them paid. He hasn't gotten Trevor Story paid yet. Ah. <laughs> is worth noting. Um, our, other, uh, our other speaker here, uh, Peter Brody. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hi, Josh. Hi, Esteban. Uh, glad that we finally fired this up again. Um, I, I read, I agree with you, Esteban. I think Monfort. Montfort's a very interesting individual, and uh, I was reading, I forget where I saw it, but it was like, when you stop thinking about the Rockies as a baseball team and start thinking about them as like an elaborate theater setup or theater production, then everything makes sense. So, Yeah, I roll with that analogy. I also think like they're a baseball team. They're just not a baseball team in 2022. Like they they would be the the best run organization of 2002 if you just took the current executive and administration and brought them back into 2002 this would be a, a dominant powerhouse uh win every single year uh the problem uh, is that baseball has advanced in 20 years um so but, you know, just a few years too late yeah just a few um just... there's a lot of stuff to talk about that's going on with the yankees right now um kind of the big thing that just happened last night um, we're going to talk about the vaccine stuff a little bit. I don't want to get super into it because, you know, um, I want to talk about the catcher defense because uh, I am really starting to warm up to this idea of a catcher platoon. Um, but we have to start with Anthony Rizzo, who's back on a two-year, $32 million contract, 16 mil a year. He can opt out after next year. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't really have a take on Anthony Rizzo. It's like, okay. Um, I was supposed to write something about him today, and I just like stared at my laptop. Like, he just inspires no feeling in me. I'm not. 
I'm not mad that he's on the team. Like he'll be, you know, he'll be a, a two win player and he's the left-handed hitter that the Yankees want and he plays good defense and oh, okay, cool. Um, but I'm also not happy that he's on the team. Like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, sweet, Anthony Rizzo. Like, I, it's just like, he's just the vanilla pudding of this baseball club. And so I wonder if either of you have a spicier take than that. Um, Peter, do you have anything passionate? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm a little more passionate than Josh. Uh, I wish I had the same indifference toward it. But I mean, the more I think about it, I mean, I, I, I kind of hate it. Um, I'd rather that they just roll with Voight and LeMahieu at first base than give $16 million to Anthony Rizzo for what's likely to be similar production. Um, and maybe, I mean, granted, I also don't have that much faith that they would, although that they would then reinvest that 16 million on other roster upgrades. So I guess it's just like, whatever, like you said, Josh, but I mean, I think it's a pretty, like, it's about the most boring use of that, of those funds that you could have come up with. So. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think I probably defer from both of you on that then. Um, I think Do you like least... Anthony Rizzo? Um, define like. Do you buy that his slash line will be the same as Giancarlo Stanton's, which is what Zips thinks? Oh, and I have bones to pick with Zips. Hell no. All right. Definitely no. Uh, <laughs> no. Big no. I'm okay. Taking a stand like... against Zips. Well done. Steamer <laughs> or bust. Uh, so, uh, Peter had said that it's possible that Lemayhew and Voigt's combined production will be probably close to the overall value of whatever Rizzo does. And that certainly may be the case. But I'm thinking of it in terms of just his style of bat. Um, I know it's something that a lot of people have harped on the last few years, but I actually do think that the fact that he is a a contact-oriented hitter is going to really, really help push the lineup forward rather than some of the at-bats that we're used to seeing from Voight where I feel like sometimes he just he is either frozen or he chases a lot and even if Rizzo has an at-bat where he chases a lot he is much better at chasing he will foul pitches off and, and fight a ton so in terms of lineup fit whether the Overall production ends up being the same. I don't know. I I think that he's just going to gel better in between whoever he will be in between. But so I guess like I guess like my pushback, I guess like my pushback on that would be okay. So I agree with you. I think that like there is there is real value in having you know it's become kind of a cliche, but like there is value in having quote unquote different looks throughout the order, and I do think that like one of the challenges the Yankees have faced over the past couple of seasons is having similar type hitters just makes them easy to plan against from a management standpoint that the Rays or the Blue Jays or whomever, it's just easier to game plan when a lot of your hitters do similar things. But I am not sure. And I've said this before, merely sticking a different look in between, you know, because Anthony Rizzo is going to hit like third or fourth in this lineup, depending on where they put Judge or Stanton. Um, 
I am not certain that just sticking a different look in the lineup for the sake of it is worth it if that hitter is not hitting that well. So if it comes to June and Anthony Rizzo has a 108 WRC+, plus, which he might have, and that's not good enough for a first baseman, in my opinion. Uh, I don't care how good first base defense is. First base defense isn't worth that much. I don't care what you say. Um, but he's going to keep he's going to keep being stuck in the top of the order just to get a different look. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that it's as valuable there. Now, conversely, it might be more valuable in the postseason where starters are going to are not going to go as long. There's going to be more relief pitcher usage. But boy, 162 games. It's just not I just don't think it's going to be that be that big of a deal. Yeah, I I agree. I'm not really sure you're going to be able to measure a big difference here. Rizzo is like well past his prime and I've talked to a few people and a few, I I can't argue too much that some people think he's washed, but at the same time there's ways you can look at his batted, bro, batted ball profile and see you know some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, you kind of have to squint, but I don't, I don't, I don't fully disagree with you. Um, sometimes, sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel is the train coming to hit you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Peter, I want to ask you something because um, you and I have had like sort of philosophical conversations about this. So, what I did write today because I couldn't write anything about Anthony Rizzo it comes out tomorrow. Please go read it. Um, is just sort of like the state of the Yankees franchise is like. They're fine. Like, if you look at the projections, they are... I'm going to pull up uh, the projected 2022 standings. I think that Fangraphs just wrapped uh, Matt Chapman into uh, the Jays' projections. They didn't have it this morning when I wrote the article. Um, Oh, no, they still haven't. That's odd. That's weird. It doesn't usually take them that long. Um, The Yankees are projected to win 92 games. That's tied for the most in the American League. Um the projections are down on the Rays, which they seem to be every year. And I think the Rays are better than an 87 win team. I think the Blue Jays are also better than a 92 win team, but who knows? That's, that's where the Yankees are right now. 92 and 70. I think that that's probably pretty close to where they are at true talent. No, like they're, they're not a, this is not a bad team. This is a team with a, a really good pitching staff. This is a team with a lineup that is, I don't think is as good as it could be, but it's not the worst lineup in baseball. It's not even the worst lineup in the division. So like, it's a good team, but I'm just not excited, (laughs) which is weird. Like, like I'm excited for baseball to come back in the way that I'm excited every single season, but I'm not like, you know, you think about like 2019 when like the, they had had this ugly loss to the Red Sox and the Red Sox had run roughshod and, the Yankees came in as the projected favorites and it was like, okay, like let's get this season started. Let's do something. Um, I just don't have that feeling with this team. So, I, I mean, I feel the exact, I definitely feel the exact same way. Um, I think 92 wins is, I mean, my gut says it's maybe a touch optimistic. I, I, I think of them as like, maybe like a, a borderline 90 win team. Um, of course, that's also influenced by like my being down on Rizzo and Gallo based on their small sample size performance with the Yankees last season, um, and also just like I'm not really that optimistic about Torres and Lemayhu bouncing back from last season as well. I am very flat on Labor Torres. <laughs> yeah, um, 
And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you're not really excited. I actually had that exact same thought uh, shortly after they announced the Rizzo signing. Like, this is the first time since, I'd say, 2016 that I'm just not really excited for this season as a Yankees fan. Like, I'll watch the games, but I just don't really feel particularly, like, motivated or attached to this team. It's just, like, if they win, cool. If they don't, cool. Um, well, so here's the thing. Like, if they come out, like, if DJ LeMahieu hits like he hit in 2019 and 2020 and Gleyber Torres looks like a future star again, then, like, I- I'm going to get excited in the team really, really quickly. But just, like, yeah, two and a half I, weeks. To- I don't even I, – yeah, I, I suppose. Although even even that saying that, like, I don't know. I, I am, like, pretty, uh, pretty pessimistic just because – like this was this offseason was a perfect opportunity to well i mean to show fans what the team prioritizes um and it's pretty clear that they more than anything else value long term uh payroll flexibility over mm-hmm. like over winning a championship over will over fielding the best possible roster to give yourself the best odds of winning the championship in any given year i mean we've known this and i guess the old yankee fan in me has been it's has been reluctant to like let go of that misconception that that's really the mission statement for the yankees every year and i feel like it just really got driven home these last couple of days when the yankees are (laughs) addressing their shortstop their needed shortstop with isaiah kiner falefa and their needed first base with Anthony Rizzo, when you have generational talents available for just money, sure. but the the priority again, the priority appears not to be, you know, pushing the chips in on any any one year, but it's just to maintain maintain a level of competitiveness where you can sneak into the playoffs, but ab- above all else, maintaining that long term payroll flexibility. And I don't know, I like, <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not someone who's going to get ter- terribly excited about, you know, winning the, you know, reset the luxury tax pennant every three years. So, um, Esteban, uh, two questions for you. First question, um, mm-hmm. how do you sort of generally feel, given this conversation, about the vibes of this franchise, uh, which is a term that I hate to use, but I'm going to use it anyway. Um, and then, you know, we've seen this strategy play out sort of in the last two seasons where, like, the Yankees have, made moves but maybe not done everything that they could do and gone into the season and been decent but not great and then they've been bounced out of the playoffs rather early should that happen again this year you know is there do you think that a major change would happen within the organization or are they just going to run it back again we are um, getting way ahead of ourselves and i understand <laughs> that but you know this yeah, hasn't I- even started we're talking about them getting bounced in the first round but you know I'm okay with being the optimist here. I do agree that the general vibes of the organization are disappointing because what the team could have looked like versus what they look like is like highly, highly disappointing. Like the team with Carlos Correa versus Anthony Rizzo and Isaiah Kiner Falefa is different. Like swagger, talent, production, all of that. Like that's so disappointing and is a big reason why I'm um, not as much of a fan of the Steinbrenners in terms of like they're willing to get players or whatever generational players are available. 
Um, that being said, this team has top three World Series odds according to Fangraphs, and yeah, they have the highest. They have the highest odds in the American League by a hair. Yeah. But there, so. I still think that it's just a very, very good team. Uh, the reasons why uh, the reasons why they've struggled in the playoffs in the past are. I think that they've been addressed, and while they haven't been addressed with like top three players at their position in the league, I still think that they've been addressed uh, pretty well. Like like I said before, in terms of Rizzo being that contact-oriented hitter, and uh, IKF even he like he can glove it. And there had been moments in playoffs when Glaber would boot a ground ball, or someone would just have a terrible, terrible like unprepared at bat. And I just think those are going to be way less frequent. And like whether that makes them a World Series winner or not, I don't know. It's also random. But I I still think the team is very, very good. And I don't know how much of a fan I am of the Donaldson move, but you more or less know what you're getting from him and Rizzo. So it's nice to have that floor and the team is really, really just going to depend on what they're going to get out of Hicks, Torres, and DJ. Like, I don't know. What are the odds that they can get above, say, like 75 percentile outcomes? I'm not really sure. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not confident in either of those three that much, but I don't know. I'm pretty I, – I do think LeMahieu was hurt by injuries, so I think he could bounce back. But the other two I'm not too sure about. Um, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about it because it just, it, whenever you talk about it on the internet, it always ends up becoming a mess. Um, if Aaron judge misses 91 games this year or 50 games, um, the Yankees will not win 92 games. Um, so if Aaron judge is unable to play games in New York city or games in Canada, I think we can all take the under on that projection. Um, I don't want to discuss the validity of, um, everybody has their own laws and part of living in a society is that you have to accept that you live under certain laws when you go certain places. Um, so all, all I want to say is this Aaron judge is unvaccinated. Um, and you know, I, I, I can't see this mandate lasting for a full, you know, eight months or however long a baseball season is. Um, I just don't think that there's a public appetite for it. But, you know, if Aaron Judge misses games in April, uh, whether those are games in Canada or games in New York City, um, how much do you think that that changes his perception as the face of this franchise, the most successful, most popular player they've had since Derek Jeter and his upcoming free agency? Well, I mean, I think we've already I think we've started to see a bit of a tide shift in the way that Yankees fans um, have like universally view him. I mean, it's not that it's not universal adoration anymore. I think that there is a fair level of disgust from people who, you know, have had to live under the circumstances that we have over the last two years and have had to abide by the mandates that are put in place. And it's like, you know, why can't, you know, if I can do it, then why, you know, shouldn't any, anybody else have to abide, like you said, abide by the laws that even if you don't agree with them, they're in place and you just kind of have to follow them. Um, but I will say, I mean, I th- my personal take is I think it's very unlikely that 
any of the Yankees, unvaccinated Yankees, and again, I guess we, I guess we still don't like fully know if Aaron Judge is unvaccinated or not. Nah, but, the, the, but I, I mean, know, we can assume. I don't know who gives an answer like that. I know, no, I know. That's fair. Right. That's fair. But um, I think the Yankee. My my perception is the Yankees feel pretty confident that none of their players are going to miss games because of the vaccine mandate. Like, I don't, I don't think they would have signed Rizzo without. Sure without like being pretty confident that he would be able to play in most, if not all of their games. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm just reading into this too much, but it just, the, the, the Yankee, the tone from the Yankees and people in the organization who are asked about it, they didn't sound overly concerned. So that's. And know that like Randy Levine is, is working the phones with city hall. So right. we'll right. see what changes there. What I, what I am very skeptical will change is the federal mandate from the government of Canada. Um, I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to speculate. Um, I don't have, I know some people working in the government in, in different positions, um, giving waivers to pro athletes is pretty low on the priority list, um, of our government right now. Um, for those who don't know, I am Canadian. Uh, so, and I have some friends that work, uh, in, in, reasonable positions within the current liberal government. Um, so I, I just want to sort of give a timeline here. So the way the Canadian law works, you need to have 14 days from your second shot with 21 days in between your first and second shot. So grand total, that's 35 days, which means if Aaron Judge or whatever unvaccinated Yankee there is, John Heyman says there's three. I believe uh, Cootie said yesterday there's two. Um, whatever unvaccinated Yankee wants to play in Toronto, the latest they can get their first shot is March 28th. So I tend to agree with Peter. I don't, I think that the Yankees would not acquire, would certainly not acquire a player that hasn't been vaccinated. And I would hope certainly reading that sports illustrated piece yesterday about how hard uh, Alex Cora is pushing the Red Sox to all get vaccinated. And apparently Chris sale is still unvaccinated. I would hope that Aaron Boone and the rest of that staff, is telling their guys every single day, we need you for those nine games because you're going to be playing against the be- possibly the best team in this division, and we need you. Um, but I guess we will see. Um, Esteban, do you have any other like closing thoughts on this? I just like I said, it just becomes messy when you talk about the internet. Mm-hmm. So I spend a ton of time on it, but we can't we can't not talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I can close with the thought that like once Aaron Judge starts to negatively impact winning then his future with the Yankees will become um, more uncertain. And if he doesn't play in a handful of games, then obviously that will be a negative impact on the team. So, yeah, if he's going to not be – if he can't produce for the team for a large chunk of the season, then, yeah, I'll become more skeptical of his long-term future with the team. Okay, so that's all we're going to talk about vaccines. Um, Go get vaccinated. Um, okay, so I want to talk for a moment about the catching combination the Yankees are going to be running out. Um, on Sunday, when the Yankees traded uh, for Josh Donaldson and uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Ben Rortbet, getting that right. If you haven't heard his name, that's how you say it, according to Baseball Reference. Um, and uh, shout out to Andrew Mearns, our managing editor who's in this, who's in this space. Um, kind of put a thought in my head because I didn't quite understand this catching move at first because Mr. Rortvet last year was among the absolute worst hitters in baseball. Uh, he hit 169 
I'm not a big fan of batting average, but if you're hitting 169, you're not hitting well. And, uh, you know, Mern said, hey, you know, the Yankees must see something that they gain so much with a defensive platoon of Higgy and Rortbet that it's worth giving up whatever offensive upside Gary Sanchez still has, uh, if you believe that there's offensive upside there, and it's worth not pursuing another catching option, you know, in the trade market. Um, so I've been looking at Mr. Rortbet and might be a good move for the Yankees. So um, Gary Sanchez and uh, Kyle Higashioka as catchers, the Yankees were projected to get right around 2.4 wins above replacement. That's Fangraph's wins, which wraps in framing um, out of catching. So 2.4 wins with Ben and Higgy, they're up to three wins. So right away, you're gaining a half a win. Now we can quibble about like, what is half a win worth? But they're gaining half of a win. I think that there's potential that there's something in Rort Vets bat that is that might still be unlocked. He was a league average hitter in the minors. Now, a league average hitter in the minors is not going to be a league average hitter in the majors, but he's going to hit better than a sub 500 OPS, which is what he ran last year. Um, I think he's got to get the strikeouts under control at every single level of the minors and then the majors and strikeout rate went up. So he's got to get that under control. But the thing that I think about Ben Wortbet is for at least this season, before we go to robot umpires, he might be the best framer in baseball. So last year he appeared in 39 games. He caught 256 innings. So a, a starting catcher, will catch, you know, between 900 and 1,000 innings. You probably can't quite expect him to catch that much because we know he's going to be platooning with Higgy. Uh, just for reference, depth charts, what do they have him playing? Uh, 83 games. So, you know, you're going to be 600 innings somewhere in that neighborhood. But in 256 innings, uh, he put up two and a half framing runs. And if you don't know what that means, that means that in a thousand innings or about what a starting catcher would put up, he would be worth about 10 framing runs, which is about one full win of value just in framing. And if you want context for what that means, that would in a thousand innings, make him the best framer in baseball. It's better than JT Real Muto. It's better than Sean Murphy. It's better than anyone else in the game. Now, not saying he's going to be able to do that again and not saying he's going to be able to do it over 600, 700 innings. But we know that Kyle Higashioka is a great framer. Ben Rortvet is a great framer. I couldn't find anything on Rortvet's arm. I don't know how good he is at controlling the run game, but we know that Kyle Higashioka is quite good at it. Uh, his pop time is great, even if his actual arm strength isn't. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, we're thinking this guy that none of us have heard of who has 40 games in the majors with Kyle Higashioka might be more valuable than, than Gary Sanchez. And that is a strange thing to think about when we think about not just where Gary was in 2017, but just sort of like the entire history of Gary Sanchez as a New York Yankee, where even when he was disappointing, he was still like playable. Do either of you have thoughts on anything I just said? I know I kind of went off on a tangent there. Yeah, so the the framing part that you brought up is very interesting. I didn't even realize that he was that 
effective of a framer. Um, but the one thing that I would caution against is this like um, assumption that that maybe the Yankees like see something in his swing that they can unlock by him, like, and then you know all of a sudden he turns into like a, a passable offensive threat, batting like whatever at the bottom of the lineup. I granted it's a bunch of new di- different hitting coaches, but I have very little faith currently in the Yankees uh, hitting department to like all turn, you know, a nobody into an effective hitter, given the basically team wide regression in that department last season. So, um, right. And then they replace their staff with right, guys exactly. from the minors who are all great hitters. You know what I mean? Like, right. So it's, yeah, it's a wild card, but I'm, I have, I'm willing to bet on the defensive side, but I have, absolutely zero expectations for him offensively nor do i have any expectations that uh the yankees can somehow like tap into some unfound potential until i see it i guess whereas i would have had a lot more faith like say two years ago so esteban you have a catch and take um i like his swing (laughs) (laughs) so i i mean i'm sure his swing's fine he just needs to hit the ball with it but yes yeah i actually think he has a pretty decent swing um I, I've watched a good bit of video now in the last, whatever, three days, and he just looks like his sequencing is a little off. Like, sometimes, at times, he looks pretty uncomfortable when he's swinging. Uh, he does uh, he does something that a lot of – well, not a lot of, but, like, a, a group of hitters do where they start, like, pointing the knob in a weirder direction than, than most hitters. And I don't know if that's him trying to get a feel for, like, working his barrel into the zone. But I don't know. Maybe the Yankees have – a way to sort of help that and in terms of the dual catcher system i'm also a huge huge fan of this if you have two defensive catchers that can be anywhere near average hitters even if even if it's like slightly below average hitters like your pitchers are going to be happy so but when you say average sorry to interrupt you but like when you say average do you mean average for the position or average for the league um I would because average, average for the position, the position is very different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Average Continue. to the position for sure. And if you and if they're above, if they're both above average defensively, then you have a pretty good pairing of catchers. Um, there's there's just something about it where I think that it's one. It's a nice little competitive thing where whoever's hitting well will maybe get some more playing time. But the most important thing is if you have two defensive catchers that can just sort of um, like vibe with each other and like just constantly talk about the game and like gather and develop an understanding for their pitchers. I just think it's a really good vibe thing. And not to say that that's not the kind of catcher that Gary was. A lot of people have said that he was always trying to learn as much as possible, but when it, I think there's a difference between willingness to learn and actually producing good defensive results. So, yeah, I mean, I think like when the great book of Gary Sanchez is written, I think like the ultimate problem is just that he tried to do way too much. Um, That was, I think that was pretty clear from kind of the moment in sort of 2018 when he began to decline is I, I think that Gary Sanchez really was trying to learn and trying to do what he could get better. I just think, you know, he wasn't um he was doing he was doing too much it is sort of that classic baseball um cliche of like you're a ball player like don't think you know um i don't know peter do you have any sort of final eulogies for gary sanchez yeah i mean i think 
I think you absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. I think that he, like, with a lot of nudging from the Yankees, um, focused very heavily on improving his defense when all that you ever needed from Gary Sanchez is to be the same offensive threat that he was in 2016, 2017, even if he, even if he was head and shoulders, the worst defensive catcher in the league, you would have taken that because he's a game changing offensive threat. And then I, I mean, I don't know. We'll never really know what caused the decline offensively. Was it that he had too much on his plate? Was it just, was it just regression? Um, but I do think that he might have had a better chance of maintaining his level of offensive production if that's all that was like expected of him. So, I mean, I hope he goes and I hope he goes and clubs forty home runs with the Twins this season. Yeah, so. I don't know about that. I don't want to put up with people saying uh, whatever. Uh, um, I happily would. I happily would. But yeah, I mean, I wish him all the I wish him all the best in the world. I will say this though to Esteban, I don't think that a platoon of Higashioka. And Rortvet can even approach league average offensive produ- production from the catcher position. So here's, like, so here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to ask Esteban, um, actually. So thanks for that segue, Peter. Um, you know, watching film, yada, yada, yada. Um, Rortvet strikes out too much. He strikes out 30% of the time. That's way too much. Um, but if you look at sort of his underlying metrics, he barrels the ball up at about the same rate as the average MLB player, 6.5%. His sweet spot rate is a little bit below average. Um, so sweet spot is sort of your launch angles between uh, 11 and 35 degrees, which is sort of like, that's where a lot of your hits come from. It's a really useful metric if you guys don't pay attention to it. Um, it's one that I would really recommend as like a very simple, how often is this guy putting himself in positions to succeed? Um, his, you know, sort of that very basic stack cast stuff, his ex-WOBA was considerably higher than his WOBA, his X slug was considerably higher than his slug. So I guess I'm wondering, Esteban is someone that, you know, said he watched film. Now we're going to find out. Um, is there a fix to be made or is it just like, you know, we're talking 62 batted balls. So who the hell knows? Oh yeah. His, his swing is just choppy. Hmm. Like he has multiple phases of his swings that just doesn't, they don't move fluidly. Like even in even on pitches where he hits a home run, like his load is just so so slow, and I mean depending on the player's body type, like a slow load can be uh, there's just too much room for error. Like if even a slight little movement can throw off like your sequencing, and like I said with Rafet, your entry to the zone, and I personally I'm not going to say um i can fix him but i think that he definitely needs to clean up his entry to the zone when you a player that strikes out that much and has a choppy entry like that like you're gonna swing and miss one and since your sequencing is already off from the jump like your swing decisions aren't going to be great Mm. um but that the number one thing is entry to the zone especially since i that thing that i mentioned where he's pointing his barrel in an unorthodox direction He's trying stuff. Like he's he's definitely def- definitely trying things. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm like super confident and in, in that he will suddenly become a league average hitting catcher because like that's a big jump. It, it's it's definitely a big jump given his sample of struggle and it was like really really poor struggles. But yeah. I I think that. 
in turn, I mean, we also know he's extremely strong, so that's nice. Um, his big muscles show that, but there is a lot of room for him to clean up his swing and especially his entry to the zone. And that is usually a good sign uh, for someone in this case, because one, they haven't had that many at bats in the major league. So you're going to have to change whatever version you are when you enter the league, unless you're, ex- unless you're like a Tatis Acuna type where you just enter the league and you're a savage. Um, you're going to have to make changes no matter what. So like this period, like within his first 1000 at bats is super, super important to see whatever he need, whatever he needs to do to his body to put himself in a better position to hit major league pitching. So um, first game is very simple. It's over under. We're going to go through the fan playoff odds and you're going to tell me whether I should take the over under on every single team in the American League. Doing this because I don't care about the National League. Also because I only have like 25 more minutes in this space. So the AL East playoff odds go as follows. The Blue Jays are projected to win 92 games. They have an 89% chance of making the playoffs, 40, 41% chance of winning the division. The Yankees projected to win 92 games, 88% chance of making the playoffs, 38% chance of winning the division. Gentlemen, both of you Blue Jays, 89% chance of making the playoffs, 92 wins over under both of those. Uh, I mean, I'll take the I'll take the over on the projected win total, and I guess that means by default I kind of have to take the over on the. Let's on just the take the win total because I'm yeah, not going to ask you the... to do probability. Yeah. So I'll take the over on the wins. Oh, I mean, they, they, the they won what? Like 91 games last year? Nine, 89 games, games last year. And then they added, you know, feels like they added everybody. Yeah. But they have a whole season mm-hmm. of Barrios. They added Kevin Gossman. They just added Matt Chapman today. Um, yeah. Good, good ball club. Yeah, I liked the Blue Jays. I thought they were the best team in the division at the end of last year. Yeah, uh, they didn't make the they didn't make the playoffs, but I still think that they were the best team in that division. So I'm also taking the over. They something clicked in the last two three months for them, and I think it's going to continue to click because their players are very, very, very good. I don't think that their moves are like crazy significant. I don't like I'm not really in terms of like what they had versus what they have now. Like I know that they got some very good players, but they also lost a Cy Young Award winner and Marcus Semyon. So I don't think that they made crazy upgrades from there, but I already think that they were so good that it, that whatever difference in production slash value isn't really going to make that big of a, make a huge difference when it comes to their win total. Full season of uh, George Springer as well. should mention that. Uh, so the Yankees are also 92 wins. They're technically 91.6. And you know what? We're going to go 91.5 because I'm going to push it exactly 92. I think that's exactly how good this team is. So I guess I would take the over a 91 and a half, uh, but 91 and a half, Peter. Uh, I'll take the under. Ouch. Big fan of the Yankees over here. I'm taking the over. I would take the over if it was 93 and a half. You think this really? is a 94 win team? I think when it's all said and done, yeah. I think that they're, one, I, I think they're going to add. So that might be oh, a oh, caveat oh. that I'm putting in there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, 
$251 million on the payroll. I, I'm not, uh, well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I didn't even consider that aspect either, but I'm just assuming they're done. So that's where I'm getting, that's oh, also informing my. Mid-season. Mm. Fair. I don't know. I think they've, I think they've shown a decent propensity to buy at the deadline. It may yeah. not always be the biggest piece, but I think that they usually, I think yeah, they I think usually it... add with that assumption um and i kind of talk about this in my piece tomorrow is like because they're already over the second band of the cbt i'm not sure they're super interested in adding money which means you're gonna end up with the creative kind of accounting that they did last year where you've got to get joey gallo and you got to pay him nothing and you've got to get rudinette or and you got to pay him nothing and you got to get jolie rodriguez and pay him nothing and like i don't particularly care about jolie rodriguez he's fine um but like Players like Joey Gallo and Rudnir Dur, the reason why you kind of can get them for nothing is like for not paying any money is because of you know the error bars on their performance. It's it's like guys with the shorter error bars like Luis Castillo are not available as salary dumps. Like the Reds have been very clear on that. That like if you want, I don't I don't know how much I don't know if they're going to even trade Castillo, but if you want Castillo, it's not part of a salary move it's you give us your best prospect and and we go from there so i think that that might put a put a wrench in the um adding at the deadline thing just because those error bars on players that are available for salary dumps those are valid qualms i but i'm glad that you think that this is a 94 win baseball team i'm very (laughs) impressed by your public stance on that um matt we're gonna finish (laughs) the division and then i'll let you uh i'll let you say your piece is that cool um, Rays, 87 wins. I'm taking the over on that. Me I don't too. think the Rays are going to be as good as they were last year, but I think that they're, uh, I think they're at least as good as the Yankees are 92, 93 wins somewhere in there, if not better. Yeah. I'm also taking the over. They're nasty and they're, they're always going to be their projection, especially yeah. their fan grass projection. Yeah. I'd agree with both of you. Boston Red Sox, 85 wins. Uh, I mean, it's a toughie. But I, I guess I gotta. I, I guess I gotta take the over. I don't trust Chris Sale. I don't trust Nathan Eovaldi being as good as he was last year. Um, he just doesn't. I don't think his stuff is as good as he performed. Although he is a dog, but I will take the under. Chris Sale is already suspect, and they need him. They need him. They also lost. Rodriguez, so I don't know. I think they really, really need a Chris like 160 to 175 innings from Chris Dale, and I just don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I would probably push at 85. I know I'm I'm not a I'm not a fun gambler, not someone that's fun to go to casinos with. I know this about myself. Um, I'd probably push at 85. I think that's right around where they are. Um, Baltimore Orioles, 65 wins. You know what, Baltimore? I'm taking the over. I think they get to 70 wins. I think that Adley Rushman just crushes it. And I think that some of the some of the young pitching they have is more interesting than you would maybe think for the Baltimore Orioles. They're still going to suck. They're still going to lose 92 games. But, uh, you know, good 70-win team down in Baltimore. I don't know. I have them I have them earmarked as an as a 100-loss uh, team, so I guess i got to take the under. Oof. Yeah, I'm taking the under also. <laughs> <laughs> They're so bad. Uh, AL Central. Um, 
Matthew decided not to speak, which is cool. That's fine. Um, Chicago White Sox, 90 wins. Um, I feel like the White Sox should every single year be a lot better than they are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'd take the over. This one's pretty close for me. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I'd take the over. I mean, I think they're like basically a 90-91 win team, so, yeah. I'm going to take the under. I There's just so many things going on there that are just malpractice. Uh, and I don't think that it's going to result in a, in a team that is nearly as good as it should be. I think they're going to struggle to win the division. And I don't know if they're going to add an outfielder or second baseman that they need that would really bring this lineup over the top. And I'm very curious as to how they're going to handle Michael Kopech. And then another thing, another bad thing is I don't, I just don't see Dylan Cease doing what like doing what he did last year again. Or I don't see drastic improvement from him. So, so let me just like combined. once again getting you on record. Um, the Chicago White Sox, who play in a division with the Minnesota Twins, Cleveland Guardians. Kansas City Royals, Detroit Tigers will struggle to win the division. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. No, this they... is going to be fun. This is going to be a really fun division to go through. Yeah, no. And the Twins. This is recorded wins. too, so. No, it's fine. It's fine. I... Wait, what was the over-under? It was 89, you said, right? 90, 89 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably take 89 or 88. I'll take the under. Minnesota Twins, eight wins. I will take. I'm over. going. I'm going under because I. I still don't know. I'm s- taking the under. Subject no. to subject who's, to a Trevor story. Who's signing. pitching? Who are their yeah, pitchers? I, no, you're you're right. Sunny Gray. That. Sunny Gray gets to throw to Gary Sanchez again. That worked <laughs> fine last time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was Gary's fault. Come on. <laughs> no, it was Larry Rothschild's fault. Yep. Where is he? Where is he kicking around these days? I I think he's out, right? Unless yeah, he's like some he's... sort of special advisor or something. But I know yeah. the Padres fired him, so yeah, he's not employed. He's not he's mm. not fit for this league. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going under. Peter, you're going under. Esteban, yeah. I'm going over. I think that they'll probably finish in second place or com- wow. They'll yeah yeah. I don't know. They might finish I... in second place, but that doesn't mean they're going to win eighty games. <laughs> Mm, no, I'm t- I'm confidently taking I'm confidently taking the over on this one. I'm more confident about this one than the White Sox. Kirilov is going to rake. Larnock is also a good hitter. We haven't seen much of him. And then Buxton, obviously, they need more games out of Buxton. I, mean, I, think- I can't wait for I can't wait for 27 great games of Byron Buxton. Where I have to act like he, mm. he's good, and everyone on Twitter is like, "Oh, he's so good." I can't wait for that part of the season. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really like. I really, really like their outfield. I truly do. And then, since Gary's going to hit forty bombs, that's going to uplift them even. More. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cleveland seventy-eight wins. I'm going to take the under because I, I truly don't think that Jose Ramirez is long for that ball club. I don't know if he's going to go to Toronto. If he does, uh, God help anyone who calls himself a Yankee fan. But. I I figure they can't keep, hold on to that guy for much longer. I yeah. think probably more likely he's dealt at the deadline. So, but so yeah, so so my prediction, I'm going under. 
my prediction is completely predicated on what they what they do with him uh, in the first half of the season, and if they hold on to him, I, I'll take the over. So, yeah, I'm taking the under. This is one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. <laughs> That's also true. It's terrible. It I, is. The, I'm looking at their roster resource page right now. They have Stephen Kwan, Andre Semenis, Austin Hedges, and Bradley Zimmer all in the starting lineup. Those yeah, players, I don't know who any of those like, players are. Not Sorry, only do I they don't. exist on the roster, but they're in the starting lineup. That's Kansas pretty City sweet. Royals, 76 wins. You know what? I'm going to take the over on that. I'm I'm reasonably bullish on Kansas City. I mean, like again, we're talking like 79-win teams, so still not that good. But, uh, yeah, give me the over on Casey. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree as well. They have a very good farm system. I don't know. It seems like they'll be pretty aggressive with their those top-line players. And that'll probably elevate whatever this projection is right now. I know that that probably takes into consideration those players getting called up. But they have some very, very good talent just waiting. And the Detroit Tigers, 75 wins. I will also give them the over. Yep, um, me too. I think, I, I, I'm, I think that their, their young pitchers are a little bit overrated. But, I mean, I think that their young hitters are, are at least interesting. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, same analysis on the pitchers versus the hitters. They're, those young pitchers, I'm, I don't think they're going to get out of them what they need or want to. Moving to the AL West, Houston Astros, 91 wins. Um, I feel like over on that. Just because, again, this division is not good. Hmm. I mean, this also depends on if, uh, if there's any smoke behind the rumors of, uh, of Correa returning. But this is true, and I also like full disclosure. I have I I can name exactly one Houston Astros pitcher. So, oh wait, no, I can name two. That's not true. I can name two. So I Verlander's back. He's going to be Cy Young. I'm going to assume that that Correa is not going to return, and therefore I'm going to take the under. I will take the over with or without Carlos Correa. L.A. I... Angels, 82 wins. They will win exactly 82, win- 82 games because that is what they do every yeah. single season. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Shohei Otani will not be the MVP. Um, I predicted this back in December, but um, Mike Trout will actually play like a full season's worth of games. But this will be the first season that Mike Trout will not like clearly be the best player in baseball. I think he's going to do Whoa. the – I think he's going to do the – not going 100 miles. Like, he's still going to be great. He's going to be a seven-win player. But I think he's going to do the, I got to slow down. They're already talking about moving him to a corner instead of center. So, uh, I got to slow down. I can't go 100 miles per hour anymore. Still gets, he gets into 150 games, and he's still a great player. He's just like, instead of being the clear-cut MVP favorite, he's like finishing fifth in MVP voting. I think that's steamier than my Yankees and White Sox takes. Really? Yeah, I don't think that we. Should you think that a thirty-two-year-old man getting slightly worse at baseball is steamier than the no, Yankees winning ninety-five games? He's thirty-one. He's thirty point six years old. Yeah, he'll be thirty-one. 
I don't no. know. He is one of the best players of all time, and he looked. Yeah, like it so last was Ken year. Griffey, and then he mm, was no, but he looked like it last year, and yeah, and then he, he got hurt. Skip a beat. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, nah, I gotta take Josh's side on this debate. Oh my goodness. I I don't know if I'm as adamant as he is. Um, Beliefs. I also don't think that Trout's going to play 150 games, whether or not he goes 100%. Or side. Like, I could see Trout playing 125 games this year. Um, but no, I, I do agree that it's that the, the this is the year that the crown starts to be transferred off his head. So To who? I mean, I don't know. But... Soto, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Soto becomes clear-cut best Soto, player this year. Acuna, maybe. No, Acuna's going to get hurt. Yeah. He's a, yo, we're on talk radio now, bros. <laughs> Tatis can't stay healthy. Acuna can't stay healthy. Joe can't stay healthy. It's Juan Soto's world, baby. We're just living I'm, it. I can't believe you're, you're. I can't believe you're both agreeing about Mike Trout on this. I'm. Read Nietzsche, bro. God is dead. We killed him. The baseball god's dead. We killed him. Oh man! You never gave us. Are you over under on eighty two wins? Let's go! Come on, we got to keep. This uh, I'm also. I'm also even there. It's, yeah. I don't care how good he is. They're still gonna win the most eighty two win team yep. in the history of baseball. Yep. Seattle Mariners eighty one. You know what? I'm gonna go over. I think that. Uh, I think that they finally. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs, but I think that they finally cracked the respectability year. I guess two years in a row that the other they've cracked their respectability threshold. I don't know, dude. 12 teams? You don't think they can sneak into the playoffs? Oh, like- yeah, there are 12 teams this year. Yeah. that. You know what? That'll really take away from the fun of... I mean, I mean, I guess I'm not a Mariners fan, but if you're the sixth seed, I guess it all counts when it's 21 years or whatever, but... Eh. Yeah, they might be the sixth seed. You're I right. think, yeah, right, I Peter. think they're the sixth seed. Yeah, if you look at the, the rest of baseball, that you have, you know, the Rays, Yankees, Jays, whoever comes at, whoever wins the AL Central... Astros and then I guess the Mariners. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, sure. I go with that. Yeah, I'm taking the over. Also agreeing that they're the six seed and I like their offense. I think Jesse Winker's super, super underrated. He's like top five hitters in the last three seasons against right handed pitchers. Like he's unreal. And the yeah, rest of that it's list only is like, like Bryce and someone else who's better. So Bryce and Soto and Trout, I think it is. It's yeah, no, like he this this dude rakes and that division they just face right-handed pitching yeah. all day, mm-hmm. all day. That division is all right-handed pitching. So I think that that lineup is going to be good. I don't think it's going to be great, but it's. I think that it's going to be good. I think. I think they're a playoff team. I. I hope they are for, for their for their own sake. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think Ray raises the floor compared to like Kikuchi, for example, um, mm. and I mean, I. I'm not. I'm probably not as high on like Kelnick and and Rodriguez assuming Rodriguez even gets the call up this year. Mm, um, yeah, I, I think he will. Yeah. I think I think I think you'll be in the majors. I don't know if he's going to be playing 100, 130 games, but I think he I think you'll see him in the majors. Mm. Texas Rangers, the the winners of the off season. I guess them and the Mets um, as so often are 75 wins over under. I mean, I'll take the over, but they're they're definitely going to miss the playoffs. And I actually, I don't think that they're they're even a five hundred team yet. But 
Mm, yeah, I I'd think... go. I'd go over to seventy six, seventy seven. Esteban. Oh, I really don't like their pitching. I I'll take the under. I still I still don't see it. I I love that they're buying. I I I think it's great that they're paying players. Um, but I don't know. Their pitching is really bad. And unless yeah, they John have... Gray, bro. Well, I mean, he he's. I don't know. There are teams that will unlock him. I don't know if they're one of them. They have helped in unlocking um, some pitchers, kind of, but I I don't know if they're the team to do it. And lastly, the Athletics 72 wins. I'm going to go under on that. Um, yeah, it feels too. like there's there's more shoes to drop with the A's. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say that they, uh, they're not very good. Yeah, yes, I mean, same here. it feels like Manaya is definitely gone, and Montas feels like almost as much of a certainty. And who, I mean, even Loriano might end up on another team, and then you're looking at like a 110 lost team potentially. So, yeah, yeah, not not great times in the Bay Area. Um, so that's our over under for the AL Central. I guess we have, I guess our playoff teams. If I'm, I think if we're in consensus. Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, White Sox, Astros, Mariners. Is there a disagreement among the three of us? Nope, not for me. <laughs> do we do we really think that the the Yankees are going to finish ahead of, of the Rays in the division? Um, you know what i I think it could happen. I think that this bullshit house of cards that the Rays build every single year eventually one year it's got to not work. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think it could happen. I don't feel great about saying it. I'm not going to do the, uh, Esteban thing where I just say <laughs> with my entire chest. Um, <laughs> but I think it could happen. If you get a, you know, you get an injury. I, I think that the pitching, I don't worry too much about the race pitching. But I think if you get an injury or two in the lineup, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that they're going to hit quite as well this year. And I mean, I'm famously, I'm famously the low man on Wander Franco as well. So you know, go me. Sorry, did you say low on Wander Franco? Yeah, like I think like Wander Franco is like fine, but I don't think that he's Jesus. Mm, I also don't think he's Jesus. <laughs> Great. Okay, I'm not the I'm not the I'm not the only low man. Uh, but I do think he is wonderful at baseball. <laughs> So we have one final game, and it's a quick game, and it's a surprise game. I didn't tell you that we would be doing this. But an interesting news bulletin came across my desk yesterday, where Spotify, a company that I hate, is paying Barcelona $75 million a year for the naming rights to their stadium. And we know that baseball does a lot of weird sponsorship stuff. If you go to Yankee Stadium today, you're basically just looking at like 150 different billboards all screaming at you. However, it is still called Yankee Stadium. It is not called J.P. Morgan Field at Yankee Stadium presented by Google. And that's something that I've always respected about the Yankees, even if it's a branding thing to like harken back to the days when they used to win the World Series, which is not something they're particularly interested in doing anymore. But what are you going to do? However, $75 million is $75 million. And it got me thinking, if Spotify, this company that will do everything but actually pay real artists real money, is willing to pay $75 million for Barcelona's stadium naming rights, what company would you want to sponsor Yankee Stadium for their naming rights? And what company would actually do it? What company would... Uh, Amazon what company would 
like it just it, it it would have to be Amazon, wouldn't it? The, given the given the partnership that the two sides have, I don't think that the Yankees will ever sell the, the, the naming rights to the stadium. But if it's going to be anyone, I feel like it would have to be Amazon. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. I think that they would sell the rights to the field. I don't. I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would call. I think it'll always be Yankee Stadium. But uh, yeah, I think that the um, Amazon makes sense. Uh, WeWork makes sense to me as well. Um, yeah, WeWork Field at Yankee Stadium or something like that. Mm. That I could see being a little bit more plausible rather than like, you know, WeWork Yankee Stadium or Amazon Yankee Stadium. But if, but if it was like Amazon Field at Yankee Stadium, I could see that as a plausible uh, avenue within the next, whatever, 10 years maybe. Yeah, now that might not be worth $75 million a year, but you know. It's worth it, Esteban. I'm thinking about what their um, their sports book is going to who that who that's going to be sponsored yeah. by. Yeah, thanks because for that's me. that will definitely have a name that is not it's not going to be Yankee Stadium sports book, right? Or maybe it will be. But... So this is my question: Can teams own like can teams get into the sports books? Like, could the Yankees have their own sports book? I have no idea how gambling laws yep. work. Yep. I feel like, so, I feel like no, I feel like nobody here knows how gambling laws work. So maybe we shouldn't speculate, but like, I, I wrote about this. If, I don't, I guess a few weeks ago, maybe it was a few months ago now. And as long as it's not in within the confines of the stadium, then it will basically just function as a sports book, but there can even be a hallway which links the two, and it will be completely fine. And oh, we I, are gonna knock down that fucking little league ballpark that's right beside the Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Oh man, this is gonna be great. Yeah, and the Yankees will be able to report that outside of the MLB revenue sharing uh, stream. So incredible, love it. That is not money that they will have to report and. It'll be another reason as to why they will be able to spend more money on payroll, and they will not. Yeah. So, well, what a fun way to end this conversation about <laughs> baseball starting in three weeks. Um, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Esteban. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the recording of this. My editor just messaged me. Um, we might put it up on the site, and people can learn what we hear, what we sound like. I don't know. Um, we're going to try to do something like this kind of once a week, especially once the season starts. And, um, you know, we'll probably do more of a Q&A session next time. Um, There's just kind of a lot to, a lot of news to get through. Um, but, yeah, you heard it here. Uh, the Yankees are going to win 95 games. Please direct all of your uh, inquiries and complaints to Esteban's Twitter account. Um, until then, spring training starts on like Sunday. Am I wrong? Friday? Uh, tom- tomorrow. Yeah, I thought it was tomorrow. 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 Damn. Okay. Well, spring tomorrow. training starts tomorrow. Enjoy baseball that doesn't mean anything. Um, enjoy hearing, you know, the booth again. That'll be fun. Um, yeah. Go Yankees. Go baseball. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Looking thanks. forward to do firing this up again in the near future. Go Yankees.